0: Hi, everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the hosts and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual.
1: I'm David Campbell. And I am Jordan
0: Bullock. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Uh... Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bring With BIM. As always, I'm Joe Whitney, and with me today is uh, Jordan Bullock. Uh, Dave Campbell couldn't join us. What's going on, Jordan? Hey, Joey. Pretty good. How are you? Doing well, sir. Doing well. We've got a great episode today. Uh, Today joining us is uh, David Robeson. Dave, how's it going? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad glad you could join us. So uh, typically now is the part where we ask, what are you drinking? But it being noon... I'm not sure uh not sure if everybody has a, a libation in hand. So um I'll just start off by telling you what I'm drinking and it is uh some espresso coffee. Uh, so I'm super super uh, fancy today. I've got
2: my carbonated sugar water. It's in the form of Dr Pepper this afternoon. <laughs>
0: Some beautiful
1: ice water over here. Yeah, nothing, no alcohol uh, as of noon on a Tuesday. So,
0: all right. So, no secrets. Secrets will be revealed. Uh, Alcohol induced secrets will be revealed on this episode. Uh, I'm with you on the Dr Pepper though. I grew up in Texas, and I swear it is a staple. It's like it goes. You start off with baby formula, and you just uh, advance straight to Dr Pepper uh, until you can drink beer, and then uh, then you just alternate. Yeah, just don't put it in the baby bottle. Uh, so, David, thanks for joining us. Uh, you are a part of a cool company that does something uh, so much differently than what we're used to. Like we're talking with companies that um, you know are doing BIM, but you guys have a plugin that enables people to actually get their job done in BIM. Because you know we always talk about BIM, BIM, and this. Context being the tool, uh, the tool that we use is Revit, not not uh, mixing up BIM and and Revit. But the tool that we're talking about is Revit to complete the BIM task, and um, it, it it seems lacking, uh, for, especially for the MEP um, side of things. Like you can't do all things; you can do some things, and then that's where companies like you come in and facilitate, you know, the actual production side, the actual work side that needs to happen, but allowing us to do it in, in programs like AutoCAD and Revit. Um, so before we dive into that stuff, though, I got to ask you, how did you get to where you are in this industry today? Like you, you and I have chatted about your background in the past. I find it to be very uh, interesting uh, with your dad and stuff. So I, you know, tell us, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So my dad uh, runs or used to run; he just retired an MEP firm out in Seattle, Washington. So I grew up around engineering. Uh, one of And early stories from my childhood is uh, my mom set me down on a drafting table and those were tilted. And so I slid off and fell off. I was like two years old. Uh, So that was kind of like one of my my first (laughs) uh, stories about me. It's just, you know, hanging out uh, at architecture, at drafting tables and whatnot. And then I basically grew up in that environment, uh, hanging around my dad's office. Uh, You know, he was working in the early 80s in AutoCAD. Uh, and then in the mid 90s, obviously in AutoCAD, still. And that was about the time where I started working with him, writing software to help automate the design that they were doing in AutoCAD. So it was kind of BIM before BIM even existed, because we're like, okay, we need to do a little bit more than just this drafting. So we started working on stuff internally for their own company. Uh, then about 2001, we had the software to a thought, uh, point where we thought, well, maybe we could sell this to some other engineering firms, which uh, in hindsight was horribly naive at the time, but we, we put it out there. Uh, and so we've been selling it uh, for the past 20 years. Uh, just, uh, it was MEP software first for AutoCAD. Uh, and then about 2013, we put some stuff out on the electrical side for Revit. So we're very much focused on uh, you know, being a, a developer to allow the MEP engineers, and right now specifically the electrical engineers, to do their work in BIM.
0: That, at, at the core of it, is is uh, what we all need. Be, you being from the, or your dad, rather, being in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure we've crossed paths at some time. Uh, I lived there for six or seven years, uh, mostly down in Portland, Oregon, but uh, we had offices up in Kent, so I was up there quite a bit yeah. in the Seattle area. I had my first, like, um, real you know, take off in BIM, like my first real uh, advancement in BIM, any, any like real great strides were in the Pacific Northwest who seemed to be like anybody who could spell BIM was going to make a six figures. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool environment to kind of grow up in. And then as you get across the rest of the country and you start running into people who, um, who are just now getting to that level where they're starting to adopt BIM um, and then they're asking, well, hey, how can we do this? It's so limited, or, or we haven't found a tool to do this for it. Um, and that's where we're running into um, uh, products like yours, who actually help facilitate being able to do the BIM part, um, not just creating a model.
2: Yeah, because people want to be able to do BIM, but you know the engineers, they've got they're busy doing their projects. They don't have time to write all this software. So that's that's where we're trying to come in and provide. You know something—the tool for these engineers to actually participate in this process. And the electrical engineers do get forgotten a lot because uh, they're they're yeah, a very small niche. There's
0: a there's a running joke that uh, the electrical side is the redheaded stepchild for Revit. Um, it is. Uh, it's I've heard it used uh, I don't know at least two or three dozen times from various electrical subcontractors uh, and and engineers. Uh, Revit just um, they they weren't they weren't it wasn't developed with them in mind rather the mechanical you know they mechanical and uh, piping you know wet side and dry side they seem to be the most vocal and had the easiest adoption with um, at least for clash detection but when it came to actually spooling and engineering side of things it just uh, it, it's still still catching up and and it might be a while before Revit even. Uh, addresses any of the uh, electrical side.
2: The the reason for that, I think, is that at its core, BIM is really a 3D model. Um, and some people get offended when I say that. I actually offended an Autodesk guy once when I had that discussion uh, back in the early 2000s when I said, well, BIM's just 3D. He's like, no, no, it's not. And... It it really at the core is you're talking about collision detection and and the construction side, and that's all very 3D. So that's why things like the mechanical side get handled well, because you can see a duct and that kind of has some dimensionality to it. So the people who are doing the the Revit development, they kind of understand how ductwork works. But you get to the electrical side and like the least possibly interesting thing for an electrical engineer is that anything 3D, he doesn't care about the size of his panels or the size of their conduits, they're small. They're not really going to get in the way. There's so much other stuff electrically that matters, but it's not 3d. So it gets yeah,
0: conduit only matters for, for ordering and for prefabrication. Yeah. As far as the, as far as like the actual, you know, why an electrician is an electrician, the the system stuff like that's, you know, the into system analysis, that stuff's the huge part. But that, again, that's not stuff you see. That's not, that's, it's all like underneath and it, you have to have a complete, you know, system to be able to test stuff, and um, there's so much that goes into it that that uh, often gets overlooked. And I'm with you on the uh, BIM is the 3D. Although I'll take a little bit of a uh, a, a little bit of a sidestep here and say that what I think is people think BIM is just 3D, and that at least in the industry, and that is where we get hung up is. People say, you know, companies, whoever, are doing 3D and calling it BIM, and that's where we're getting this misnomer. Uh, BIM is actually all about the information in the model, but we get, you know, hung up on the, well, the dimensions are information, and therefore, you know, the geometry is information, so therefore, um, we're doing BIM if we're just doing, you know, basic 3D. To,
2: To kind of push that point on the electrical side, you could do electrical BIM without doing any 3D.
0: And oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. So that yeah.
2: that's where it, it's because really, you know, when we think about BIM, but there's always the three D conversation, but there's this whole portion where you could do that's not three D at all. Uh, so it's it's can you even do BIM without three D on the electrical side? You can.
0: Yeah, Jordan. I'll let you weigh in here since you have the uh, more of the experience on the uh, the engineering side of things. But um, have you ever modeled a system, or at least inputted uh, electrical information into a system? without having had a model to uh, t- a element to attach it to.
1: I, I was going to say uh, my experience um, again, just to reiterate for anyone that is uh, just kind of catching up within the episode. So David Robinson's uh, the president of a company called design master and their plugins are both for awesome. AutoCAD and Revit. And within those I've actually used design master more for the Revit side on the electrical counts. And you know, David, what he's saying is hundred percent correct. It, it's like everything you're doing within like a Revit software on the electrical side is almost identical. Replication within the Autodesk, where uh, David's plugin is able to kind of come in and help out. It it really ties in all that electrical information that would be within a BIM model uh, within really a 2D platform and the ability within engineering to kind of do that. Just like Dave was saying, you know, Revit it, it ties electrical systems together, but it doesn't really showcase all the little parts and pieces within the model like it does within you know a plumbing system or a mechanical system. Just like we're kind of talking about, you know, the ductwork, the piping, all of those have three-dimensional things and within electrical yes you can run conduit or something but a lot of the building electrical systems just you know loads calculations running pieces and parts across the board and most contractors will just be like ah we can throw some wiring in the wall or something run wiring systems kind of wherever but really being able to fit that into a BIM model is not only important for coordination but tying all that information together starting off at least where we're at right now within BIM and Revit is really a lot more of the 2D side of things
2: the way we describe it is uh, we, we have our framework. We call it the electrical design triangle, and so clearly there's going to be three sides to it. Uh, you've got the construction documents. That's kind of all your, your 2D stuff or, or your, you know, it's really the Revit model. Um, but then you've got in for electrical this single line diagram and that's just the, the connections between all those panels. And then you've got the calculations we're actually you know, sizing wires and doing fault and voltage drop calculations. And the first thing you do is that single line diagram where you're saying, I've got a panel and it's connected to a transformer. And maybe I've got it, and I know I'm going to have some mechanical equipment. So there's an air handler. But you don't even have a building yet. You don't have an electrical room to place any of that stuff. But the engineer is starting to think through all those things. And so they have to start building that. Uh, so we're trying to put together a model where you can start building that single line without even having a model yet for your,
1: your, uh,
2: uh, for your building.
1: And it's already within your software. It already starts tying together the calculations and loads, does it not? Yes, so uh, we, and
2: in terms of those three sides, the, the loads are handled by Revit. So that little portion is handled by Revit, but then the wire sizing and the, the voltage drop analysis, we do that in our software. And we have a, a, a system for actually doing that single line diagram, laying out those panels in a drafting view and then we kind of put the, because Revit, you know, they really want to know like, is this panel matte or a glossy finish? And you're like, I don't know, it's just a panel. So you have to put in a, the 3D panel somewhere. So we kind of hide it in the background. We kind of lay them out as you're doing your single line, knowing that you're going to go back and place them in the, the, the 3D model later, but they have to be in there. So we let you put that single line diagram together and then kind of build in the background what's going on in Revit, but trying to, to, to let you do that without having to think about all that 3D modeling.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I, I didn't really think about that. Because whenever you're whenever you're working in AutoCAD, at least from my experience, you're. You're placing the data and attributes all at once. And then you're kind of being able to, like you're saying, you know, reverse engineer that into your single line diagram, into your panel schedules, uh, et cetera. But Revit requiring that panel information, you know, at the beginning, if you want to start with the line diagram, seeing where everything's actually going to be wired, because you almost have to run your calcs first within an electrical schedule and paneling, and then actually placing that data, that that panel within Revit, just because of the requirements, you know, that's a complicated reverse engineering process within your software software that not a lot of people probably think of as they're as they're building these add-ins and attributes and things like that
2: yeah that's where you need someone who's really focused on what the electrical engineers are doing because what they're kind of you know each discipline's in its own separate little world and so you need someone who's very focused on the electrical engineers um and it's hard autodesk multi-billion company multi-billion dollar company to really focus on this very small niche in the in the elect in the construction industry the electrical engineers are a very small portion of the fee they're not really you know they don't really get served just because they're so small Uh, and so as a smaller company we can be hyper focused on what they need
1: yeah that's excellent So you kind of gave a history of kind of working with your dad and coming up in the industry and then started building uh, tool sets for his specific company. What's your background? Is it in, uh, you know, software development? Is it in engineering? Was this just kind of a passion project that you eventually started getting into? Or how did that all come together?
2: So I grew up in the 90s playing computer games. I was like,
1: you know what I want to do when I grow
2: up? I want to write computer games turns out that's a pretty competitive space to get into uh but i started writing software so i actually did get a degree in computer science so that's my background I was like i'm going to write some sort of software and i was writing software for my dad's company i was like well i could go write for somebody else or i could take what i have and start selling this so uh, i i grew up knowing knowing that i wanted to do software development some sort of how and i had this this tool that i had been developing uh so we, we decided to take that out so that that's I don't have a background in engineering uh specifically though I've done enough in engineering over the last twenty years uh, that I, I I understand all the calculations because we're i'm I'm doing a large part portion of the development uh writing those calculations
0: yeah, so with your you know going back to school and getting uh you know learning code programming whatnot, I feel like maybe you probably have an interesting take on what's going on you know nowadays with the new low code no code environments and you know, people are starting to find their, you know, maybe they've got one small prog- problem and they're they're just unable to do it themselves. Like, what's your thought and experiences working with, you know, these various, you know, APIs with a Revit, AutoCAD or whatnot, as well as not sure if you've experienced any Dynamo fumbles like we have. Um, and then also to take that a little bit further, we're like just scratching the surface now with chat gpt's integration with revit curious if you had any thoughts or input on on any of that sort of stuff well
2: thinking about like the low code and the no code um going back to autocad when it was first coming out one of the reasons it was so successful was because it had lisp as that scripting language um and actually our autocad software is like 90 percent written in autolisp um so the low code and the no code is just kind of I, I feel like it's a continuation of that. The Dynamo scripting is the same sort of thing. It's a way for people to get in there and particularly like my customers, they're electrical engineers, they're all really sharp guys. And they've probably done some coding in college. They, they know what they're doing so they can get in there and they can start scripting. Uh, so those tools are great for letting people do, uh, you know, the scripting that they need for their specific uh, challenges, whatever their company is doing. Um, it's hard to then take it and make that kind of a universal thing. Uh, but for something that, that you're just using on your own, those low-code and the no-code and, and all the scripting languages are, are great tools for that. Uh, it's really how we started um, and you know, we see p- people doing it and that's really how you can be pre- you know, the most productive in Revit or AutoCAD. Uh, regarding ChatGPT, uh, again, I have a computer science background. And uh, so I, I did a little bit of AI, but this was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, it's interesting. A lot of what they're doing is essentially what we learned 20 years ago. We just have larger data sets and better computers to run it on. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's taking what, what we learned about. It's like, okay, this is kind of cool stuff, but we can't do that much with it because it takes too long. Now they're like, oh, we can actually do all these things that we thought maybe we could do 20 years ago we've not figured out how to implement it into our software at all yet so we haven't uh, done anything there but uh we're, we're certainly using it uh for our own development purposes uh, it's it's a great you know coding partner for, for figuring out how to do your development
0: yeah i think our examples have been primarily like hey how do i write a dynamo script to do this like you know it's 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 just um so like, uh, my mindset is I will always find the easiest way to get something done, call it lazy, call it what you want, but I wanted to, uh, automate things that I can. And, and, uh, um, chat GPT kind of allows you to, you know, do what you're already doing, but like, you know, if you're using dynamo it allows you to continue to use dynamo, but, uh, allows you to just do it, you know, more easily without actually having to type and write all the code yourself, copy and paste, maybe run it through a compiler, edit it, whatnot, but uh, that's it. Um, as far as the, the, you know, AI hasn't really changed thing, I, I'm kind of in the same, same boat. I think we've had the underpinnings, the algorithms obviously changed. the, you know, the, the, the science has, has been, you know, pretty much constant. It's just been the advancements uh, in the technology all along the way, whether that's better uh, um, algorithms, um, and, you know, things like quantum computing and all this stuff really, really allow us to analyze large data sets um, for whether it's predictive analytics, uh, learning, whatnot. But that's that's how we get to the BART um, that allows us to actually develop a real AI. Uh, Chat GPT, I think, in my mind, is quite interesting because it's learning from so many people at once, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and don't feel bad about using it
2: for your coding because... The professional developers are doing that too. I mean, now that we have it, I need to look up a Revit API. You know, I'm working in C Sharp and and the the .NET API, not in Dynamo, but exact same thing. Hey, I need to do this thing and with for my for my software. Okay, how where's how's this API work? And it will point me in the right direction. I can then implement it in the yeah.
0: Software. My my biggest issue with it is I'm still asking it Google type questions uh, instead of you know treating it like it like it's smarter than me um bard though is an interesting one uh apparently that's it's got a pretty uh robust coding engine behind it that allows you to like it understands coding a lot better than than chat is what people are telling me uh which would make sense it's google but uh yeah not not really sure how to use that one yet um no i'm sorry man i didn't want to dive off on a tangent just this is like the the very interesting parts of uh, of what's going on today, I've had probably two or three people hit me up about you know Revit and ChatGPT just recently. So it's just always good to get uh, you know a developer's mindset on on. The possibilities and and what, you know, best use cases sort of thing.
1: I was going to say, as the API within Revit uh, gets better at incorporating ChatGPT, I've seen it used in a couple video examples of just typing in, filter out all the doors in this project, count this, and using it for little pieces of information that you can technically do within the tool sets themselves. But being able to just kind of type in uh, what you needed to do, it being able to code, or not necessarily code new, we're not there yet. Eventually, I'm sure we'll get to a point where we're like, hey, you know, do this. And it's going to know Dynamo. It's going to know its own little coding platforms, you know, Revit's an open platform. So it's going to quickly be able to just kind of compute and incorporate whatever it is you needed to do. If you want to run panels along the side of the building and have it, you know, randomly generate panels in different directions or something like that. I'm sure eventually we're going to get to a point where you you type something in, it generates a Dynamo script for that. It's able to do it all itself within a few minutes and really taking that to the next level. I mean, Joey, we're only a few months here out before I just kind of strap on one of those VR headsets and have a Revit model and just, you know, type to text to all my chat information, it's, it's building Revit models in front of my eyes, super excited about the technology that's coming out. And do you have any thoughts, Dave or Joey on kind of that side of things as far as like getting into VR using chat technology, really anything with the open source platform and kind of where we're heading?
2: Well, on the electrical side, again, VR is not going to be the interesting thing. Uh, but where I see the, the AI being valuable is eventually having it do a lot of the, the kind of rote layout of stuff like, hey, I need light fixtures. OK, right now you have to have a designer go through and place all your light fixtures in all your rooms and then you got to circuit them up. You could probably have an AI doing that and say, hey, throw in light fixtures. I want two by fours everywhere and then circuit them to some panels and make sure you don't overload any of the circuits. Uh and that would be where AI could actually just go out and do that layout for you, and then you can go back and check and make sure that it's something reasonable.
0: Yeah, tie in your photometrics, um, you know, for lighting and whatnot, and you know your requirements for that space, and it pulls up all the all the um, you know various uh, uh, pieces that meet that um, those specs for your for your uh, lumens or whatnot. Um, foot candle level, whatever it is. I'm, I'm very green when it comes to the lighting side, so. Those um, are all just, the right words. Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, imagine like throwing that in there, having a specify, it pulls up a list of all the, you know, things that meet that design criteria. Yeah, and even something like the
2: single line diagram, where right now you kind of have to draft that out yourself. We've got some stuff to generate it for you, but if you could say, okay, here's my layout, I'm gonna kind of build a tree, you go draft this for me, you put it on the, the drawing for me and, and lay these things out. that uh, that's starting to, again getting into more of like the image manipulation uh, portion, not just text stuff. Uh, but there, there's definitely I, I see potential there uh, for, for the AI being valuable.
1: I was going to say, you and I uh, and David talked about this a uh, couple episodes ago, but uh, we were talking about, you know, eventually a chat GPT, you know, open software for specifically the engineering industry where we're able to, you know, it's analyzing code books uh, along with like existing systems and, you know, being able to incorporate something like that into an add-in within Revit where we go, hey, here's the codes we're following. These are the system requirements. I know uh, just from, you know, an engineering standpoint, one of the things we run into a lot of times is hey we have an existing building we have an existing system and we're trying to maximize the use of the existing system on the new system what's the best way to change that what's the best way about going about doing that and it's you know just like David uh, kind of mentioned here was it being able to kind of calculate and run through and figure out exactly what it's the best way to maximize that and the most efficient way to maximize that or I think we talked about in that episode too like it, finding new ways to engineer so we have all these ideas of like here's what we typically do when we're we're engineering things, you know, we're only a few steps away from it accidentally engineering a completely new product or a new system uh, that's maximizing things that we're not even thinking of right now. Super exciting time.
0: Yeah, the crazy thing is all that data is already available. I mean, it's just being able to comb through it in in a meaningful amount of time, right? Uh, You know, if it's three weeks, you know, uh, to save us very minimal stuff, it's like it's not worth it. It's not cost effective or maybe three months, probably a better example. But if it does it in minutes, you know, like an AI platform could do using elastic computing or quantum computing or what have you. It allows us to um, make it very cost-effective and time-effective, essentially. Sorry, man. I feel like we forced you into an AI conversation <laughs> just because it's, it's uh, you know, again, it's something that... Every conversation uh, it, right now
2: turns into an AI conversation eventually.
0: So, I, you know, I'm going through and I'm looking at um, different functionality of your software, your plugin. A lot of this um, is very foreign to me, but what specifically is... So I'm looking at like feed, feeder sizing, you know, arc flash, voltage reps. What specifically was like the the wow moment for you guys where you were just like, okay, this feature right here, this is everything everybody wants. And this is this is what, what makes us a company.
2: What we found on the, uh, the Revit side is the single line diagram that I keep talking about uh, because Revit doesn't have any conception of that. So right now the current workflow is that you lay out all your panels in Revit, you give them names in Revit, and then you go and you do this totally separate drawing that's your single line diagram. And you gotta have all the names the same, and you gotta have all the connections the same. And you've got two completely different models. So the idea of this single building model, it's like, well, we got this two building model. And so any change you make in one, you have to go back and make in the other. And the single line diagram is really how the engineer's thinking about it. And then obviously the Revit is important, but that's not where they're thinking. So they've got these two models that they're constantly having to, to maintain and, and keep synchronized. And so either it's, you know, this huge synchronization challenge or it's change orders when you make a mistake and you don't actually get it updated in one or the other. So the single line diagram is really what people are looking for. And then we add these other things on top. and are like, oh, I didn't even know I wanted that because that was just so far removed from what Gravit could even potentially offer us. So the idea like you mentioned some of the things there like doing an arc flash calculation uh no one's even thinking about doing that in revit because there are so many steps to even get there from where revit is just out of the box an arc flash if, if you're curious what that is that's uh, a calculation where when you're working on the building live and it's it's powered up uh if something goes wrong and essentially you you, you get an arc which is a, a current going between two parts it eventually it's an explosion. How much safety gear do you need to be wearing uh, so that you survive with second degree burns after that is <laughs> essentially what that's calculating. And they put a sticker on there telling you what to do. So it, it's, you know, some huge, important life safety stuff in terms of just like keeping the, the, the actual contractors out there working on, in the field safe.
0: I feel like that needs like a, um, a warning label. Like when we're talking about arc flash right there like that that needs some serious attention. I, I had not put a lot of thought. I can, man. I'm a, I'm a Luddite when it comes to the electrical side. Uh, so I, I apologize. Um, if it's not, you know, big, sexy, uh, geometry that I can manipulate. It's hard for me to conceptualize, but being the, uh, electrical side, like I grasp electrical single line diagrams and one you know, uh, was it a riser diagram, yep. um, cause of AutoCAD electrical, you know, way back in the day. Um, which I, it's still around, but it's like just part of the AutoCAD tool set, I think. Like nobody AutoCAD I mean, electrical
2: heard... exists, but it's really for different stuff. It's not for building design.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. It's
2: for controls and, and other stuff.
0: Yeah. But that's where the I ran into like single line. That's yep. that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, on the Revit side though, so your tool allows users to um create the single line is that creating the single line from the model or does it have any interaction with the model
2: yeah so the the single line we create it is a drafting view but it is linked to the model so you make a change in your model you give it a new panel name uh, you, you resize a wire and that updates in that single line and our revit model so we link them using the magic of our software so that it essentially becomes that single model that you want Uh, even though in Revit Revit doesn't know that, but our software does.
1: Yeah, I was just going to jump in here. That's probably one of the biggest advantages because that's an area that Revit doesn't really touch. So Revit over AutoCAD, I would say, does a little bit better of a job of tying in pieces of information. So when you're working in different views, you're uh, working with different pieces of information within your actual system, you know, tying in schedules to actual uh, Revit elements and parameters. And we all know how Revit works at this point. But being able to tie in those pieces of information all together, the one area that kind of lacks for a lot of engineers architects really anyone across the aec industry is being able to tie information that you're inputting within your family softwares actually i think architecture has this a little bit more developed than mep but engineers don't really have the ability to uh, as they're going through and creating specific elements modeling specific elements especially as uh, david was mentioning on the electrical side because electrical doesn't really have a lot of 3d stuff going on within revit it's hard to create those details and diagrams of what you're actually showing within your Revit model of specific situations. So um, if you have a 3D element, and this is where, you know, architecture is so well developed within Revit, you can you can do a wall section, you can detail certain pieces. But on the engineering side, some of that stuff is kind of factored in or some of that stuff is, you know, showcased like a line diagram or another uh, diagram. It's showcased in representation of those details of how the actual calculations are being conducted, how everything's actually tying together. And there's not really a truly a good way to show that through 3D objects and 3D items. So David's software on the Design Master side, You know, that the ability to tie in drafting views or line diagrams or information to the actual information that's in your model kind of takes that into a step further. It really helps, you know, the MEP guys uh, as they're kind of going out and trying to tie some of this stuff together. We talked a lot about the electrical just because that's probably the one that has the least amount of modeling. But what kind of stuff do you guys do on the, you know, HVAC or plumbing side uh, that kind of aids the MEP uh, group as a whole? So we don't actually do a whole lot on the mechanical side at this
2: point. We have um, our AutoCAD-based HVAC software. Uh, We had a plumbing software that never really took off. The workflow never quite worked out, Uh, but we have our ductwork software in AutoCAD um, and it can do full 3D modeling, 3D. It's essentially a BIM package that's running in AutoCAD and it it works really well, but the market is not as much there in terms of interest because on the Revit side, again, ductwork is 3D, Architects and the developers can kind of understand that. So Revit does well enough on the mechanical side that we don't really have any value to be added there. So we actually have not done anything uh, in Revit on the mechanical side. Uh, And that's kind of on purpose because there's really not as much value to be added. It's the electrical where there's huge gaps in in what's there. And then the mechanical, it's actually pretty good uh, in terms of what Revit can do. So we're not trying to address any Revit problems on the mechanical side right now. And just as an example of something that uh, is, you know, doesn't work well in terms of Revit on the electrical side, uh, you have your conduits, which is like one of your major pieces for your electrical design. Those conduits are not at all connected to the actual wires that they're being run between panels. So You have panels, they have connections. Revit can kind of do that. They're a logical connection. But then you draw on the physical conduits and there's actually no link between that logical connection and then the physical conduits in the model so even the one 3d part that the electricals could potentially care about is done in a way that that's not really all that helpful so you change a, a conduit size and it doesn't know that those things are even the same thing so we're, we're working uh, we've actually got uh, an integration with a, uh, another developer called evolve they're on the contracting side they do the prefab of all those conduits uh, so we're going to take um, Using uh, your other term, bridging the gap. We're going to bridge the gap between the design and the construction, where you can take the conduit sizes from your con- uh, your design side and push them over to construction because that's you know what you do need for that that three D modeling in the prefab, and Revit doesn't address that at all.
0: I think we're well aware now at this point that uh, the electrical side's kind of been uh, left hanging. We're familiar with the evolved side as well, uh, so the engineering engineering uh, is always. You know obviously been the like i said earlier the redhead stepchild subcontractors uh just as well like uh, again outside of the visualization uh so prefab side of things um you know it tends to be harder we have to create assemblies for everything even if we want to get the schooling plugins to work um it just they were just not not as thought about as much so all these tools that are starting to come to the uh rise to the top for the electrical side just to get the job done um like your like your plugin as well, like makes makes life so much easier. And when people are mandating Revit on a job or BIM in in particular, LOD 500, well, what does that actually mean for us? We're an electrician. Um, You guys can actually put some data behind it.
2: Yeah. The fun thing about like those LODs and anything is that it will be like super specific on what you need on the architectural side. And then you get to like the electrical section of those. And it's just this very paper thin document because they like, ah, we got to the electrical, and we kind of got tired, and we don't know what we want. So probably maybe some conduits, I guess, and, and, yeah. and that's all they do.
0: Can you make sure there's outlets in the building? <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, like
2: we want some power somewhere.
0: Uh... <laughs> my my favorite thing, though, is like when talking with owners specifically who are saying, yeah, we need some of that BIM stuff. And then you start diving through the rabbit hole of LOD, and then specifically having them outline what they want LOD. Uh, and and why they want it, doing the justifications, uh, and most of the things, the elements that they want to have high LOD are not elements that, as an owner, you should actually care about. Uh, it's more about for marketing purposes and showing renderings and all that sort of stuff, and you know, and making it look good, and and ha- you know, having it for bec- because because they can. But really, when you get into the system side of things, the MEP. You know, the assets that actually, you know, make sure the building is you know not going to catch on fire and uh, warranty and service dates and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that almost becomes an afterthought of putting that information inside of your model. Um, so the electrical side, it doesn't surprise me that they, you know, they're very paper thin on that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, we try and implement any of that through our software. It's just like
0: there's nothing to implement.
2: There's just nothing there. And there could be some uh, stuff in terms of like the building life cycle. Uh, We were talking about the arc flash. Uh, That's stuff that they have to maintain. And that's very much based upon the actual configuration of the specific breakers you have in uh, and things like that. And then they, they do have to go back and recertify that. And that's a place where if you actually have a good BIM electrical model that's maybe not, again, 3D, but has all this information about which breakers are in there. What actual panels do I have that when you go back and redo those arc flash calculations, if you make a change to anything, you, you often have to redo those where having an actual model of your building on the electrical side is is going to be helpful. Because right now, anytime you do that, you have to go back and essentially do the as builds on the electrical. Uh, so you know, that's a place where facilities management can can get value from on the electrical side uh, in terms of maintaining those, those safety warnings.
0: Yeah, that's a uh- I mean that's a, a great idea, obviously we're always pushing for um uh, models three d models uh for life cycle management uh for for a project you know the overall cost of a building um extends way beyond the actual initial building it's the life of the building itself is where the majority of the cost goes and people don't realize that but w- with that though like where does that data live? do you just leave it in your in your model and, you know, hope that, you know, 20 years from now, when people are going back to it, that Revit's still a thing. Do you, is it in your, your Maximo system? Like, uh, I guess that's probably the part that needs to be addressed from an owner's perspective is what is your life cycle management, you know, tool for this building? Is it your IWWS or, or, you know, whatever. Is it your, your asset management system? Is it your, your FM system? Um, You know, is it this BIM model? I guess, I don't know, man. I don't know the perfect answer. I'm just throwing it out to the ether.
2: Yeah, it is a, a problem because you got to have something, okay, what's going to last the length of this building? I need software that's going to be here in 20 years. Um, I, I feel like Revit might have the chance to do that. You know, looking back at the history, again, starting in the mid-90s, you had SoftDesk, which Autodesk bought out, and then they made Autodesk architecture, and then they replaced that with Revit. There was all of this flux in the mid-90s and the early 2000s. It's settled down. They appear to have kind of, you know, stuck with Revit. Um, and if we could keep Revit moving forward, it's something that in 20 years, maybe you would be able to go back and look at your model still. It'll just take a little while to actually open up that model in the current version of Revit while you wait for it to date.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I believe Revit's going to be around for a while. And AutoCAD in its uh, current state or 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 even a future state is still going to be around in some form regardless, just because... Uh, a lot of people don't realize this AutoCAD is still the most sold Autodesk application. Uh, bar none, it is still the most used, most sold uh, piece of software that Autodesk has in its arsenal. Uh, Revit has gained a lot of mainstream attraction over the past, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, um, maybe 20, 25 years. More in the last 10 years, I imagine, for uh, commercial and industrial healthcare, you know, type projects. Um have yet to be consistent in breaking the barrier for residential starting to see you know a lot of multifamily mixed use adopt it um but but you know it's starting to trend there right and i think in order for autodesk to come in and or somebody else to come in and flip it on its head and you know introduce new software um or it's got to be revolutionary in, in, in a lot of things it has to uh, what autodesk did with revit was uh, we were Revit Technologies. What rather what they did was very smart. They focused on the architectural side, the document management or the document creation side of it. Right? Um, yes, there's design data it, but the the documents they actually get created as you're modeling. So it, it makes sense. It was a a pretty smart um, you know tool, and seeing it progress over these past you know multiple decades uh, and branch into the other the other. Uh, uh, you know, trades and industries that are associated with the AEC, you know, become revolutionary. It's, it's uh, as as Revit gets smarter with the tools and the way that people interact with it, the more use cases that we will get out of it. That said, I do foresee, like, some of the legacy products like Civil 3D or something like that. Like, I pray to God that they get replaced with something more intuitive with a cleaner UI like Revit.
2: Yeah, I don't want to see Revit replaced because if it was replaced, it would be... St- replaced with something starting on the architectural side and then be another 20 years before you get to the single line diagrams and on the electrical side again. The fact that Revit's been stable-ish for 20 years means that we can finally have these tools for the these smaller niches actually being built uh, and actually have time to, to get their development. Because again, we've been doing our stuff for 10 years. Uh, and so it's taken 10 years to get to a point where we have some stuff that's really starting to be pretty powerful on the electrical side. Developing software can take time.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, the, developing the software and then getting the adoption, the the traction, I think we're in a healthy start right now. You get knock on wood, but where we're seeing with Revit is that, um, uh, not only has it, does it have enough adoption, but it has enough companies like yourself filling the niches, um, the voids where, where, you know, software gets us 80% of the way and it has, you know, someone else has to come in and get us the rest of the 20% for our, you know, specific tasks. I think we've, got the right marketplace now where these apps have been created to to facilitate that that uh those gaps and voids um so i feel like yeah we're in a again knock on wood we're in a a pretty safe place for revit as far as adoption i think we've covered every topic in the world at this point yeah i was gonna say we can go anywhere but
1: uh yeah yeah i alcohol makes the uh Conversation flow a little bit easier sometimes, but
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say. It's, we get drunk and share secrets. That's probably the the key there.
1: David uh, Robinson, thank you so much for joining us today uh, in showcasing your company, Design Master. If you wanna do a quick uh, shout out, kind of let people know where to find you, where to find your company, um, and anything else you may wanna add here at the end.
2: Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. Our website is designmaster.biz. You can learn more about our software there. Uh, We run a webinar every month talking about how to create your single line diagrams in Revit. Obviously, we talk about our software, but we talk about the other best practices as well. So for any electrical engineers, if you do want to see kind of our design philosophies and what we've learned from talking with other engineers, uh, we have that webinar available. And that's on designmaster.biz.
1: Awesome. Thank you very
0: much, David. For those of you that are listening, we'll uh, throw a link to the uh, website in our description. Thank you, David. It was great having you. Uh, Good
1: luck with everything. And hopefully we can have you back on and have some alcohol that time. It won't (laughs) be a Tuesday at noon uh, that we're meeting up here. And uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Like and subscribe and follow along if you haven't already. And thank you all. Uh, Have a great rest of your day.